Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this moment. My name is Jason Timbuktu Diakite, and as always, I'm here with my dear brother, chef, co-host with the most, most, Marcus Samuelson. Jason, it's cold in New York and it's cold in Stockholm, I assume. January, February, for us that loves the sun, these are the hard months, Jason. Come on now. It's How tough, are you, man? man? It's tough. It's tough, Marcus. <laughs> I'm good. I am good. But but it's tough. Like, I am looking out my window. I mean, it's dark now because it's it's uh, it's evening. But, you know, it gets dark early here, man. You know, it gets mm-hmm. dark early. It's, uh, you know, Omicron has really put the lid on the pot, you know. And it's not even a regular pot by now, you know. As probably the same in the state. It's a pressure cooker in here. People are, Mm -hmm. you know, just this past week, uh, uh, artists and uh, stage performers and people from the cultural sphere, from the performing arts have gone out. They've even confronted the Minister of Culture. Uh, Like, I don't know how much longer... this lid is going to be able to stay on the pressure cooker, you know, before, before it blows. So it's really just, it's kind of eerie. The streets are empty. Like people aren't going out. Uh, There are no concerts. It's just, it's just dead. No, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And you can tell like England, UK changed its laws. Uh, Sweden also changed its laws in terms of coming to Sweden. Uh, but it, you, you're right, in the culture space, in the restaurant space, people are hurting. I mean, January and February is the toughest months in the restaurant business, regardless, right? And I think it's twofolded because fall was good up until December, you know, up until the Omni News. So, so for me, it's like we thought we were out of the gate, we were ready to go. And so it was this built up demand. And it's so tough. I mean, restaurants, yeah. not just here it's in the, the start and stop and start and start stop and, stop. and hope and then no hope. And yeah, I can just imagine like people working uh, in service, people working on the line in the kitchens, uh, people, you know, in my business, it's, you know, you got people doing the sound, doing the lights, renting out the equipment. Um, you got the the players, the musicians. Then, of course, at that kind of at the top of that food chain, you have the performers or the, you know, the artists. And I will say that I'm in a privileged position and I'll be okay. you know, just like you'll be okay. like we'll ride it out. But it's Mm -hmm. all it's a whole ecosystem. And if one thing very, very important point, you know, I'll say that even when we started, you know, when from September 29th, 2021, they allowed concerts again in Sweden. And it was impossible to find a sound engineer, a sound technician to go with it because the few that were still doing it were all booked. So we had to go through, like, we had to go deep into the Rolodex to find somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. just the reality of it. No, you bring up such an important point. It's exactly the same. Our worlds are very different, but they're also similar, right? It's not just about the chef and the restaurant. It's about that server, the bar back there, dishwasher, the line cook. And it's all of us as a community that is hurting. And it's been for a long, 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 long time. And yeah. at the same time, you get news through your phones and most of us, right? And, and you know, you also see like, so many people are doing better than ever, especially big companies, uh, because of this. So it's like this dual sort of news coming in and out. You know, yeah. I would say culturally in America, this uh, this winter, 
you know, we just had the MLK weekend, which is a big holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically just became a nationwide holiday, you know, mm-hmm. just over the last 10 years or so. And a lot of states didn't acknowledge it. Arizona was one of the last ones and so on. But it's a big, big holiday. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, icons are, are passing, man. Like Sidney Poitier just passed away. One of the most iconic black actors of all time that basically you know, paved the way for so many uh, black actors. Andre Talley, mm-hmm. you know, just passed away in fashion, working with, you know, the most biggest houses in fashion. And that also trickles then down to, you know, the H&Ms of the world, the gaps of the world. So it does have a day-to-day, everyday impact. And to have someone, uh, a black creative, being so powerful in that position uh, was unheard of. So that's why he was such a groundbreaker. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Uh, you know, you've said it before and I, you know, I'm with you on that. It's just a matter of time until we see somebody else, another person of color in holding that office, because now there are people out there who saw that it can be done and they're already aiming for it. They're already working on it, you know? So speaking of peeking into the future, we'll see mm-hmm. if this can what happen. But, you know, as I always look out for uh, BIPOC or Black Swedes doing well in the world. And mm-hmm. this week, actually, there's this new kid. He's been obviously working on it for a long time. Anthony Alanga. Oh. He plays for Manchester United. Okay. A Swedish kid. Just scored. Um, you know, and I hope he can be in the national team. If Sweden's going to make it to the World Cup, I can see a Slatan. Alexander Isak and Anthony mm-hmm. Elanga. Uh, I was just so excited for him because, I mean, think about it, 19 years old, scoring for Manchester United, playing with uh, Ronaldo. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just got to, he's just got to, you know, live, living his life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, actually, because Sweden's, um, Sweden's movie that there's a, that hopefully represents Sweden in terms of the Oscars, is actually a story around soccer and mental health. And, you know, it's about this Swedish kid, Martin Bengtsson, that became pro very, very early, and he moved to Italy. And, you know, most, you know, a lot of boys try, you know, childhood dream. But behind the curtain you, you there's a lot of conversation in the movie about mental health and it's not as easy as you think and it was just i just when i watched anthony malanga uh um, anthony Alanga. score who Alanga uh, let score. me just say because i just googled him malma i, I born in malma <laughs> born in malma i rest my case i'm done yes <laughs> you got we gave you another one <laughs> no, you do, I, you truly to, do. to everyone who knows me marcus you know uh i don't know anything about football it, but when i see it, when i it. see malma then I, i'm like okay yes I, I could definitely roll with that uh yeah so so that movie it talks a lot about being a kid being a teenager coming to one of the biggest clubs in europe and it's not just always as you think it is but when i watched the movie it really was a mirror to my own life, not so much about soccer, but, you know, as a teenager, I came to Switzerland, 
you kind of, you're on your own, you get a roommate, you got to figure it out. And mental health was the biggest issue. We didn't talk about mental health at all. There was nobody to talk to, right? Mm -hmm. But we were 40 kids and every summer 30 got fired Mm -hmm. and it could be for anything. And uh, it was so much around the mental health game. And I didn't mm-hmm. know at the time that it was mental health. It was just, you just hung on to the thread of You stuff. didn't have the vocabulary for it at the time. Not That's the thing. at all. That I think is the biggest difference generationally, I hope, for kids growing up today is that there's, there's a wider vocabulary. Just like when you and I were teenagers, you know, our parents and their generation had provided us with a bigger vocabulary than they might have had when they were teenagers and so forth and so on. But but again, to, to what you're saying here, uh, I mean, Simone Biles really shone a light on that. And yes. even dropping out of the, you know, big moment in her career, Tokyo Olympics, saying, no, you know what, I can't, I have to put myself first, I have to put my mental well-being first. And really just what a move like that does to uh, inform and empower people around the world to say, listen, if if this you know legendary and and record breaking athlete will say, no, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. I have to sit this one out. Um, that just it inspires, you know, or empowers. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Well, you also show that athletes really mirrors very often what's happening else in the world. So in Simone Biles, it was around mental health. You look at Djokovic in the Australian Open and the whole uh, Corona, you know, conversation, this built up, you know, there's always two sides to everything. Like Djokovic didn't, he was not vaccinated. He was not allowed to enter Australia. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about Djokovic. I no, no, I know, no, I know. No, I just, no, but the dude. Mirror, but no, I don't. I, I completely. Shots, man. We, we all, uh, the rest of us did, but yeah. Anyway. I completely agree, and he's completely mm. exercising his his privilege, right? And I completely agree with you, but I do think it holds up a mirror to society, right? So he thought he had a loophole; he had took advantage of that. Of course, it all comes from a super privileged point of view, and he was in the wrong. He's not going to admit it; he was in the wrong. And good for Australia to stand up and say, like, "Hey, this is not," you know. I think you know that was could not be easy for them. That's obviously the biggest player. Uh, more people would go and watch the game if he's in. But Australia stood up. But I do think that sports at its best highlights what's going on in mm-hmm. everyday life. And both of those are examples, Simone Biles and and the Djokovic situation of what's going on at this very moment. I will say one uh, positive side effect that uh, Djokovic uh, uh, and his uh, you know troubles in Australia had was that <laughs> the Australian authorities apparently the first time around when they put him in uh, um, uh, in, a, in a holding, you know, while they were determining, you know, the outcome of his case, would they let him in? Would they not let him in? They put him in the same holding that they put uh, immigrants who arrive, you know, or asylum seekers that arrive. And so I did read a few news stories about the the kind of draconian uh, treatment that Australia uh, puts people from like some Papua New Guinea, uh, mm-hmm. people coming from uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, sure, sure. And, and, uh, and, you know, I'm sure Africans as well who are trying to enter Australia and the type of kind of prison-like uh, holdings that they get put into. 
So I will yes. say big up to Australia for being like, yeah, whatever, biggest, <laughs> yeah. Uh, biggest uh, tennis star, number one tennis star in the world. But yo, you, you got to sit it out right here. Um, and you never know if, 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 if they were Nadal or Federer fans either. <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's the, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. One thing, I, I, haven't, I haven't opened any newspapers from Serbia this week, but you, you oh. better believe that there's some speculation <laughs> yes. going on. Oh I mean, my God. this I know is like a story of national interest. I mean, Serbia is hating so deeply on Australia right now. We just know yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's, it's, not, it's not good. But, but Marcus, one thing I wanted to say about stress, right? So in my life as an artist, I will say, I think the most stressful situations that I will find myself in or have found myself in is maybe, it's been mostly centered around money. Like coming up, I didn't have enough money. How am I going to be able to pay the bills and still work and so forth? But as far as when I'm on stage... Sure. So like if you're in a battle situation, your heart might be racing, you have a high pulse and the adrenaline kicks in because you don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to get destroyed? Are you going to triumph? But other on a regular performance day, I will say the music works as a salve. It's not if I'm feeling stressed when I'm on stage, then something is wrong. And, and I very rarely do. The music is lifting me up. It's a, it's a healing. You know, once I get there. When I'm on, uh, uh, when I'm on the floor, when I'm on the stage, I'm being healed and 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 you know, uh, I'm feeling warmth. I'm feeling things that sure. I don't even have, like that I don't and have to shows. use my brain for. But it shows when you're on stage wanna... and you're in that zone. You're like you you're it's you're so comfortable in a way like i'm more nervous for you than you are <laughs> you're not even nervous i know <laughs> but like you're so comfortable in that space so yeah. for me it's like this is it's so clear to me that you have to be on that stage yeah like, I, I remember else. i remember uh Guys, I, I, you know, Marcus has invited me to play at the Apollo, to play at Ginny's several times. I remember the last time I was going to play at Ginny's, this is right before the pandemic uh, yeah. uh, interrupted us. You were so nervous that you were standing, like there's a pillar in the back of Ginny's. And Marcus, I saw Marcus like standing behind it, like kind of like, you know, okay, I hope he pulls this one off. And then, then as we got into the material, you moved out from the pillar and I was like, okay, he got it. But but that's love. That's love, Marcus. Yeah, but no. what I wanted it's to also do harsh. was... It's harsh because it's Harlem audience. They're yeah, not, I know. I know. You just don't want to see me fall. But that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's love, you know. But I got to go out on that tightrope. But what I did want to say, like, you're a chef. I have a few friends that are chefs. Stress mm -hmm. management as a chef. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I sure, see that as one, probably one of the more stressful jobs you can have. Yeah. So... When I was coming up as a kid, so for the first, and I've, I've talked about this in my book and I've shared this mm. before, for the first three to four years, and I'm, I'm talking from being 17 to 21, basically, I threw up every day. Mm. I threw up every day. And I'm not recommending this to my worst enemy, right? Mm. And it didn't matter whether I worked in Sweden or I worked abroad. And when I became like 21, 22, it stopped. And I realized it was because... I could start, I wasn't stressed out about cooking or the situation anymore. I had so much, I had built up enough skills and knowledge. So no matter what you were throwing at me, situation, whether I was in French, German, English, 
I knew I could handle it. So mm. for me, and 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 this was horrible because when you throw up every day when you're working, it has a lot of by. It's not something nice to talk about, it but has like side effects, kind of yeah. side effects, yeah. and of course you also you're psychic. You you when you have you're done with it, you feel bad. You feel like wounded. Mm. You know, it's really really bad. But it happened. I dealt with it, uh, and it was rough. Mm. But working on a line itself for me is actually a very calming okay. experience to me because it is one of those places where it's kind of part of like being in a band. You need the drummer. Mm -hmm. you, you need, need the, the bass player. Yeah. You need the bass. Uh -huh. You need the lead sing. And you're a part of something that it's kind of you, the, your, your lot, your five, your seven, whatever you are, against everybody, mm. right? And when you guys are, when we are in the sync, we're the best. We're not mm -hmm. best on the block. We're the best mm -hmm. anywhere. And it's a <laughs> rhythm. And mm. you feel like afterwards, hey, guys, it's high five. We did this. Mm. We did this. Teamwork. This night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teamwork. And and that's when you sit and after service and you just sit and you're tired. You have nothing more to give. But you also feel like, I love this stuff. I want back mm. in tomorrow. Mm. So it looks stressful from the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. But it, when you are doing it, it's not stressful at all because it's really what you, those hours that you learned in cooking school and when you were an apprentice and when you were coming up, this is what you meant to do. So I love it. I was actually, this morning, I was just cooking with my guys. Huh. And again, I was just, as we were doing setting up and doing it, I was like, damn, I love this. Mm. I was just saying this, this morning, it's like, mm. damn, this is so much fun. 30 years in. And you yeah, still feel like, that. Damn, it's so much fun. I'm like arguing with one of my guys whether we're going to cure the cucumber overnight <laughs> or just four hours because that's a different bite. And, you know, we've been talking <laughs> about this damn cucumber for for days now. So him being stubborn, got there two hours earlier, gave me three different options and okay. laid it out for me. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we agreed on something, right? <laughs> but it's like, that's... That's cooking, man. Mm -hmm. And we need, especially in these moments, Jason, now when it's so, it's just like you talked about, it's so dark for us as creative. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, we really need those moments where when you're back on stage with your group, whether it's them or, or with the jazz band, because it's a part of you that when you're not expressing that muscle, it's a part of me that dies. If I'm not cooking, it's a part of me. I'm not myself, you know, yeah, I have to do it, you know? No, after the first time I got on stage, uh, <clears throat> you know, from the pandemic pause, the involuntary pandemic pause. So I had been on stage, I think I was, last time I had performed was February 24th at Ginny's. 2020 and then it was july 30th 2021 so it's almost a it's a good yeah it's almost 18 months now since i was 17 i have never had such a long pause from being on stage but you know just how adaptable we are while i while during those 18 months i wasn't reflecting so much on oh re i really miss it and, and now i don't have that and i feel so sad and, and empty about it at the same i mean i could feel that okay that muscle that all of that part of me is kind of just collecting dust but i was finding other things to do i was well i i started writing rhymes every day which led me to record an album i started you know uh 
spending more time, investing more time in just cooking for my family and doing all these other things to, to, uh, to just uh, keep me busy and keep my creativity, you know, uh, flowing, but just in another direction. But when I went back on stage that first time, before I walked out and I heard the crowd clapping, so I heard an applause, it just hit me. Shit, this is what I've missed. And when I got on stage, I got super emotional. And by the time we got to the last song, you know, I actually cried. I haven't done that many times on stage, nice, but nice, because I beautiful. was like, you know, and I had to tell the crowd about that, that I really haven't reflected on what this means to me. But being on stage for me has been, that's been my church. You know, that's been my North Star. That's been my raison d'être, my, you know, uh, right to exist. That's been uh, the way I exercise, you know, that uh, it's been the way my uh, soul gets to fly for, you know, for those moments. Um, it's meant so much to me. And coming back was really emotional because that's when it hit me. Wow. I, you know, I found lots of other creative outlets in life and there are other things to live for, but I haven't found anything that's like this. I haven't found anything that means to me what this means to me and has meant to me for since I was a kid, you know, and, and I, I think that just awoke a, just a deeper sense of gratitude or or thankfulness you know uh, yeah no i think uh, i i hear the same and i i completely i think i take a couple of things out of that as an advice find what you love and do it mm. as long as you can and also don't take for granted that this moment will always be there right that for mm. me one of my we talked about this one of the biggest fears in the beginning of the pandemic is What's going to happen now? This thing that I've been with all my life, just like you, kept me out of trouble, kept me focused, all of those different things. If that's gone, what's going to happen, right? So it's like, you know, find the thing, whatever it is. And I think that a lot of people are questioning the day to day. And I think post this, we all going to have, we all are having conversation in terms of work-life balance. It mm. looks different for people. Um, and then other things that are happening, I say, I got to give Big shout out to my wife, Maya, as she is, you know, eight and a half months pregnant as we're recording this. At the same time, you know, uh, we had some really bad luck with our with our home. We got mold into the home, so we got to renovate it. Mm, mm. And Maya is the one that dealing with the renovation, got us into a new apartment. Mm. And because I was just up in my home, you know, my, my food and, and all of that stuff. And she dealt with all of that stuff. Mm. <laughs> And um, it's it's amazing, like, as she's, like, in the last stage of, of before she's giving birth, she's really, like, give me more. I'll take this on. I deal, I deal <laughs> yeah, with the contractor. Yeah, I deal yeah. with this. I deal with that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's just amazing how he thrives. And, you know, the one thing that Maxie, Zion, Grace, and your son will be they will be do you know what their generation is going to be called no. do you know what their generation is going to be called what what are we we're generation x y yeah, yeah x, something right? like yeah yeah but they're going to be generation alpha spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine 
With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Okay, so go, okay, so they get, go, goes back to the beginning. They're going to yeah. be Generation Alpha. Starting a new page. All right. Right? <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, what's going to be, I mean, so General Alpha, Generation Alpha is from born in the, you know, kids born in the 2010 to oh. 2025, right? That's okay. A, that's okay. the generation. Mm-hmm. And I'm and so like. So before that are the millennials, right? Or the Generation Ys or Zs or I don't know. So it's millennials probably, right? Or maybe it's the one in between there. It's like a 15-year span. I think it's millennials. We should know this, but we don't. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking about this. That's what I'm thinking about. It's like, you know, obviously their world would be around the metaverse, right? There would be, me, you know, metaverse would be completely, AI would be mm-hmm. completely natural for them Mm -hmm. the way like we have to learn sort of like about the internet and then obviously it became a huge part of our lives but they're like i i no we're generation x i got it here so we're we're generation x and then you had generation y generation z are the millennials and now you're saying it's they're the alphas so think about what Max and Zion and for all, first of all, we want to hear from our listeners, you know, that have Generation Alpha kids already, what advice are you going to give to Jason and myself? Because we're just learning this, right? We're just learning this. And, and what, you know, something that they clearly going to take for granted, right? It's going to be, you know, of course, like AI is going to be completely part of their you know, the way you and I were taught to drive a car, I'm not sure that they're even going to drive a car. They're probably not even going to need a driving license, right? So it's, it's, so, it's going to be so different. So, Jason, you must have thought about this, right? And the world between, you know, think about this. The world, you are doing things already that's kind of experiences. When I do a cooking class from my house that people all over the world can participate in, when you're doing a show from your house, from your studio, and people can participate in that. You're already living in sort of that, even a Peloton class, right? It's part of this sort of like third space where you are being social, mm-hmm. you're working out, but you're not in the gym necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. The, all of those experiences, the alpha kids going to be there f- normal for them. Yeah, That's be how normal. They, I mean, for us, normal. we're still... I mean, I'm still learning, I will say, absolutely about, for example, social media <clears throat> and like why, why it's relevant to me. I mean, I understand the baseline of why it's relevant to, for example, inform my followers that uh, this is what I'm doing or this is what I'm thinking or uh, I have this new work to present to people. So I understand that. But it's not I'm not fluent in in uh, social media. I mean, even the Generation Zs, the before the Alphas, I see they are much more affluent because they're also born, you know, we're still learning about the internet. Then you have our parents who, of course, had to, you know, late in life adapt to it. And some are better, some are worse. But with our children growing up, I mean, they're, 
really going to be our teachers. And like you say, there's some scary parts of that. Like, for example, AI, like what, what that shift will look like. I mean, what does, what does the world, what does, how does humankind handle when we get to the point where we're no longer, when we're no longer the smartest entity on the planet, because that might be a computer that can artificially, that, that, that can learn things on its own, you know? Uh, but that's like, that's happening already. That's yeah, like, it's, ha but it's, it's happening and it's there, but we're not really seeing it, but it's, it's going to intensify and it's really going to be out there much more as they grow up. Sure. So that's one thing. Another thing that we've really, uh, I mean, remember when you were in school back in, in, um, in, uh, uh Pastila, in, Pastila, yeah. in, uh, what's it <laughs> called? Not Tendalan. When you were back in Savadalan. Uh, late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s. I was in Tuna school and learned late 80s. I remember we had our early 80s. Uh, we would like bake stuff and, and sell like gingerbread or do different drives. And the money we collected, we'd buy like, uh, I remember work, our class had a project for a whole year to collect money to buy a soccer field of the Amazon rainforest. Because wow, uh, we learned amazing. about Amazon deforestation. I don't know how it was up in Pastila, but 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 down in Lund. So so there was that, right? And then I remember, <laughs> no, no, no shots fired. Just like small, no. just like under the table. No. under Just yeah, like exactly. a quick little needle, like boom. Uh, but... Um, and then at late 80s, we heard about hole in the ozone layer. And you're like, yeah, I don't know, like uh, freon gases cause holes in the, uh, in the ozone layer. And then that kind of died down. Nuclear power is, is, is bad for humanity. Those were kind of the questions. But we could take things like, I don't know, the planet functioning and nature functioning the way it's supposed to uh, or, or in a normal way, more or less take that for granted. Um, we were around for the revolution of air travel, where air travel wasn't something exclusively for the moneyed classes, but something that actually became an every person type of thing. And airline travel, like when you were 10, when I was 10, that was a big deal that you were going to get oh. on a plane that might happen you to you. You Maybe, dressed up. exactly, definitely. Maybe once a year it would happen, you know. Whereas today it's like several times a year for, for, for everybody. But the climate, that challenge uh, that our children will have to deal with and their judgment on us and previous generations, how that's going to look like, you know. Well, I... I think about it also from our experiences, right? I think about, let's say, a restaurant. One of the things that I love about a restaurant is that you have to actually, you have to kind of put your social media game away in a sense, and you have to communicate. As an engaged diner, you have to be part of the room. You have a very important part. You're there socially with your friends, your business, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And the restaurant works its, its best when it's, it's the, this back and forth between the kitchen, the front of the house, and the dining room. But it's pretty much a traditional experience that has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Mm -hmm. There's a specific feeling. It was great. The art was great. The food was great to experience. Now it might be, hey, I'm going to be in Lund and through AI, I'm going to have dinner at Ginny's. Uh, my friends are really over there already. 
but I can't couldn't make the trip, so I'm going to be part of the dinner, for example. Mm. Those are the joining experiences, virtually. Mm. joining virtually, and I don't know if that better or that worse on a social level. Maybe I don't know, right? But it could also be that it could also be that Zion, Grace, Maxime, and and uh, baby brother they could meet in a virtual space that's not an actual restaurant in in the physical world but is a virtual restaurant where their avatars meet and they have you know a virtual dinner and that could be the shit uh, and you're just sitting there like behold what do you mean you're having dinner you're not eating actual food you know like i mean we're going to we're going to be so left in the dust when it comes to that uh but that's whole, my point like yeah so like Fortnite is kind of like a version of that, exactly. not just food, right? Exactly. But then also, will the food virtually be so much better <laughs> than it is an experience? What do we do? I can't. I can't. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You know where I'm going? <laughs> I'm going to be in Addis, all right? It's like, I'm going to go, I'm going back. Yes. Uh, I'll be in Addis. Yes. And it's like, uh, you know, where you, you know, I'll be somewhere where you actually have to go to a place to get water, you know? Yeah. That that's what I think I'll be needing at that point. I love it. I love but, it. But but you know, but <sighs> speaking of what I mean, connecting this back and circling back to what you said before about athletes and mental health, there is that, I mean, I won't say that it's a worry yet, but that's also because my daughter is still only three and a half. But I look around at friends who have teenage children. I hear the stories, you know mental health issues, anxiety and stress uh, that a lot of times are traced back to social media. You know, for example, I was the only, it was me and three other kids in, in our entire school that were BIPOC kids. I was the only one in my class. So I was bullied by the same group uh, of kids for my first six years of school. Uh, called names, you know, uh, racially uh, bullied, got in fights almost every day, got in fights. And that really took me, it took me about a good portion of three decades to kind of really uh, unravel and sit with and work through writing A Drop of Midnight. The book, I think, was the kind of final step in laying that to rest, you know, and kind of looking at what, what that had done to me, what, how that had affected my perspective and so forth. Now, what I'm hearing today from people who have teenage kids and, and older kids is that, um, you know, bullying goes on after school as well, because it continues on social media. And when having a social media presence becomes kind of a, a uh, uh, an extension of of the schoolyard, or it's a part of your social life. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, it's That's a social part in yeah. social media, and that can go on then, and you can never really escape it. You know, you can log out maybe, but everybody else is on. You're still outside. You're on the outside, even when you're not there in the physical space of the schoolyard. You know, uh, that to you know, uh, you're having a daughter. I have a daughter. Uh, to 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 just something like um, uh, self esteem and and uh, you know uh, body issues and uh, eating disorders, all these things that I that I fear and uh, do read are are kind of enhanced or or intensified via social media and the kind of comparative 
uh, lifestyles that we show on social media that may differ very much from uh, from how your actual life is. But if you grow up thinking this is how that person's life is, this is how I want my life to be or else it is not a, a good life. Um, those type of challenges, I, I feel uh, like you and I and so many other parents and especially the kids and the people growing up themselves in this, uh, those are some of the obstacles I see as, as huge moving forward. Alpha is the generation. Again, mm -hmm. we want to hear from you guys that have experience in this or don't have experience. Just come and enlighten me and Jason. And maybe next week when we talk, Grace is already born. Ooh, maybe it's, maybe it's, it can be any day. I mean, I'm ready. I got my phone with me everywhere, of course. And when Maya texts me, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, and you know, Zion is ready. We all, we all ready to go now. We're excited. Uh, what is Zion saying? Where, where, where uh, is he at with this right now? Right before has, it happens, uh, he already has a name for her. He's, you know, he, he's all into the solar system. He's all into the solar system where he's Saturn and, of course, Grace. Grace is Pluto, like okay. a small pine. <laughs> okay, so she's small uh, and and kind of yeah. at the at the edge. Yeah. All right, all yeah. right. So yeah. yeah, so that's it. <laughs> And he's just excited. Sometimes, like, he calls her Princess Grace already. I'm like, all right, cool, cool, mm -hmm. cool. And sometimes he gets confused because now a lot of packages are coming or Maya's buying, you know, getting ready uh, mm -hmm. for, for Grace's stuff. And he's like, there's gifts in this house that just doesn't come to me? Like, he's like, why would anyone <laughs> send gifts to the crib? Hey, also, like, desire? hold up, hold up. It yeah. seems like your guy's focus is shifting to something else here. Like, hey, rewind, rewind. <laughs> That's got to be a tough one. In one sense. Yeah, I mean, you grew up part. with a lot more siblings. Like, I have an older sister, but we didn't grow up together. Uh, my sister, Adadia. And I have a younger sister that I did grow up with, Anya. And... um. And you have uh, two older sisters um, now the kind of so you're a younger sibling, but I think this is more for older siblings, like the trauma of, you know, that person coming in and kind of forever stealing your thunder because yep. it's never going to be the same again. Oh, no, like, you know, it's never going to be the same again for Zion or for Maxine, yeah. you know, absolutely. Absolutely. So we would go in through that. It's but a blessing, again, man. Yeah, it's a blessing. And it's been out of all of these sort of like tough times and you, mm. you know, obviously reading the news and all of that stuff, like just to come home to a five and a half year old that doesn't care about any of that stuff. It's like, are you ready to go? And if you're not ready to go, he's like, you, you what are you doing here? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it, you know. it's, I just love that. And to be able to go and do that again with baby Grace is going to be so much fun. So mm -hmm. hopefully next week we talk there, baby Grace will be born. Wow. All right. Marcus, all my Alpha. blessings to Alpha. you, to Maya, to Zion, and most of all to baby Grace. Uh, Yes. She's going to come when she's ready, you know, and she's going to teach you a thing or two, brother. And I'm just going to say to Pashley out there, there's going to come a time when we're going to get Malma. This was not the one, but there's going to come a time when we're going to come back on Malma. I don't know which one, but I'm here for you. I've not forgot. Okay. It's here. It's here. It's here. Shout out to Black Please. United. They know what I'm talking about. Yes, they know what I'm yes. talking about. All right, brother. Peace. <laughs> one love. Peace. <laughs> What do you think about this episode? We want to hear from you. Let us know at This Moment Podcast 
at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram at This Moment Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.